For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. As I mentioned to you yesterday, uh, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, there's going to be the premiere of a film about me. I haven't seen it. I don't know whether it's positive or negative. It's... Uh, uh, called The Trials of Alan Dershowitz, and uh, I guess it talks about uh, uh, the most controversial lawyer, the pros and cons of the most controversial lawyer in America. Well, uh, certainly that's a, an apt description, but if any of you live in New York and want to go, you can get tickets on DocNYC.net, D-O-C-N-Y-C.net. D-O-C-N-Y-C.net. It's, um, you know, at a uh, place... Uh, the Village East uh, um, Theater in New York. And uh, interesting to see. There'll be a question and answer period. Um, I have security just to make sure because, you know, today you just don't know. Look what happened to um, somebody at a pro-Israel demonstration that, that was together with an anti-Israel demonstration. He got knocked over and killed. So at 85 years old, Security probably sounds like a pretty good idea. They're not going to protect me against any hard questions, just against any uh, physical violence. So today we're going to talk about a very complicated issue that involves Israel, the First Amendment, Democrats, Republicans. You all know about this um, bigot and anti-Semite who represents um, a a Minneapolis um, uh, suburban area. Uh, or, you know, maybe Michigan. I'm not sure. I can't remember now. Let's see. Where is it? Well, you'll, you'll check me out. Probably it's Michigan um, around the Dearborn area. In any event, uh, she got censured today uh, by the House, um, uh, a vote in which 20 some odd Democrats joined most of the Republicans, four Republicans dissented and most of the Democrats dissented, but uh, 20 some odd voted for it. That was enough to get a substantial majority to a censor. My former student, uh, Jamie Raskin, whose father I represented in a free speech case, the famous Dr. Spock case in the 1960s, uh, was the uh, leader of the opposition against censoring uh, her. Um, Raskin is Jewish and uh, you know, supports Israel, more or less, um, and um, represents a, a significantly Jewish district. Former constitutional law professor, as I said, former student of mine, bright guy, uh, was the leader of the effort to try to impeach um, uh, Trump uh, in violation of the Constitution. So he's not always right about the Constitution. But he made a stirring speech uh, that uh, claiming that uh, sanctuary sanctioning uh, uh, Tlaib for what she said, even though he claims he disagreed with what she said, sanction, sanctioning him for what he what she said would be a violation of the Constitution. No, it wouldn't, um, because it doesn't impose um, any kind of punishment or constraint. Uh, all it does is express the will of Congress that uh, what she said was obnoxious, and what she said basically was that uh, no Jews should be allowed to live 
anywhere between the Jordan River and the um, uh, Mediterranean Sea, uh, Palestine will be free from the river to the sea, free of what? Free of Jews, Judenrein. She said it was merely aspirational. So was Mein Kampf by Hitler. Aspirational. Uh, and, 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 and look what happened. So I have no sympathy whatsoever for her. I have some sympathy for Raskin's uh, argument. I'm concerned about a slippery slope, about Congress starting to censure anybody they disagree with. I mean, this was pretty, pretty bad stuff, pretty negative stuff that, that she was saying. She also lied through her teeth about the infamous uh, attack a uh, rocket uh, explosion in the parking lot of a Gaza hospital, which um, she claimed was done by Israel. All the proof was that it was done by Islamic Jihad, um, and she never corrected the record. Um, so, you know, she's she's a, a just a mouthpiece for uh, Palestinian radicals for Hamas and um, um, very, very anti-Israel. I fundamentally thoroughly disagree with her. I have offered, if anybody runs against her, to campaign for that person, whether it be a Republican or a Democrat, to contribute to that person's uh, campaign. It's not going to happen. She um, represents a district that's very heavily Muslim, and she wins by you know 70% of the vote. It doesn't matter that she was sanctioned. It's not going to affect her political career. It's not going to affect anything. It just expresses the will of Congress. I mean, there could be other ways of doing it. Uh, you could, instead of sanctioning her, just uh, do a resolution expressing the will of Congress that what she said was wrong. In fact, Congress did pass a resolution over the objection, lots of Democrats, um, that uh, just supporting Israel and um, uh, uh, condemning Hamas, that's a perfectly appropriate uh, thing to do. You know, if Tlaib, if anybody tried to prosecute her, I defend her. She has the right to be wrong um, if they tried to uh, expel her from Congress. I think I would also um, oppose that. Although, you know, Congress really has its own rules. Although Congress, as all governmental agencies, is governed by the First Amendment, um, the courts really never interfere with congressional resolutions um, uh, condemning people, even rarely expelling people if they comply with the constitutional uh, rules. Um, so it, it's a hard question. It's it's not, um, it, you know, it's it, Raskin makes a good point. Uh, there have been members of Congress who have made obnoxious statements about gays and about uh, African-Americans and about uh, others, um, and they haven't been sanctioned. There was a senator uh, who, who opposed the admission of Jews during the Holocaust, saying, they're starting out as, you know, they, they were trying to admit some some very young children. Well, they look like good children now, but they'll be ugly Jews, uh, adult Jews when they grow up. Um, and, and, you know, these kinds of things have been tolerated in the name of, um, of congressional freedom. There's a provision of the Constitution basically giving special free speech rights to members of Congress, uh, the debate uh, clause of the Constitution. Um, but it doesn't mean that Congress can't disagree. And there have to be mechanisms for expressing that disagreement. As one of the people who voted for the resolution said, I wish there were better ways of doing it, but there aren't. This is the only way to express this approval. We need to express this approval. So we're voting to censor her. Censure her. Um, 
my question to Jamie Raskin, you know, Jamie is very much on the left, as, as was his father, who I represented, uh, very much on the left. And um, I, I really wonder whether he would have taken the same view if you had a racist um, member of Congress who got up and said, I really wish that all um, African-Americans were sent back to Africa, whether he would defend the right of a member of Congress to say that against the possibility of a censure or uh, whether he would really defend the right of uh, a homophobe or a sexist to make outrageous statements about gay people or or women. It was easy for Jamie Raskin on Israel because he's ambivalent about Israel. You know, he represents a lot of Jewish voters, so he's supportive of, of Israel, uh, but I don't know what's in his heart. I, he's certainly not one of Israel's stronger supporters. Um, and the, the people who voted for the resolution were not all Jewish. Uh, some were, some were not. Um, and um, so it didn't go along ethical or racial grounds. I think the vote against uh, condemning Hamas <clears throat> did go largely along um, ethnic grounds. Um, but, um, you know, look, members of Congress represent constituents. And some of them represent constituencies that are, are ethnically specific. Um, you know, there are African-American districts and there are uh, Muslim districts and there are Jewish districts. And so uh, if you vote against the interests of your constituency, you're not going to be in Congress very long. And the goal of every congressperson is to remain in Congress. That's why John Kennedy's Profiles in Courage is such a small volume, and if it were being published about today's Congress, it would be a pamphlet, not a volume. In any event, uh, well, I don't think it would be a pamphlet. I don't think you can have a pamphlet with no pages. I don't know that. I don't know of a single member of Congress today who I could say deserves to be given a Profile in Courage award. They almost all vote their constituents, and those that don't either are not running for re-election or have already lost for re-election. Um, and that certainly reflected itself in some of the Trump vote, some of the Trump votes, the courageous Republicans who voted against Trump were either not running or had already lost the election. So they didn't show any courage for doing that. Courage is not, as, as a friend of mine who is the president of several universities uh, said to me when I said to him that administrators in a college presidents and deans haven't shown any courage in condemning Hamas. He said courage is not a criteria for being a president of a university. Indeed, it's a negative criteria, as evidenced by the saga of Larry Summers, who lost his job um, because he said something he truly believed and something that a lot of people think is true uh, about the um, uh, uh, inherent uh, abilities uh, of ma uh, ba in mathematics and science based on on gender. I have no idea uh, about the science on that, but surely he had the right to express a view that he believed is based in science. But um, not if you're the president of a university, uh, you can't uh, be committed to truth or or integrity or um, 
uh, courage. Uh, you have to go along with the flow. You're answerable nominally to the board, uh, board of overseers at Harvard or other boards, but really you're answerable to the students. And if the students don't want you, you're gone. And that's uh, what's happened in um, a number of universities, and it's going to happen increasingly so. And that's the basis on which college and university administrators are picked today, basically student referenda. Um, students like you, you're in. If students don't like you, you're out. So let's get back to talking about uh, uh, Tlaib. Uh, she's you know, part of a group, a squad. Um, um, they're all um, um, disgraceful, um, and they're un-American. And uh, they hate uh, the Western Judeo-Christian uh, tradition. Um, they vote against Israel, against Jews almost on every occasion uh, they can. Uh, many of them are, are, are themselves members of minorities who ought to, ought to know better. But um, hey, that's who they are. And uh, um, I'm going to stand up against them, as I've said before. I will help support, I will campaign for anybody who votes against any member of the squad. Uh, Corey Bush is probably the worst, but um, Tlaib is, is pretty bad. Ilan Omer is pretty bad, but you know they're all pretty bad. And it's very, very hard to have a rational discussion with any of them. They just, uh, you know, they've all drunk the Kool-Aid. And they all um, have anti-American points of view and uh, points of view that um, may reflect and may not reflect their constituency. Take AOC. I mean, she voted to keep Amazon out of her district, probably cost many of her minority constituents good jobs. But they continue to, to vote for her. And um, uh, there have been no successful primary efforts to try to un <clears throat> unseat her. Um, speaking of primaries and elections, of course, yesterday was election day, and the winner was not the Democrats or the Republicans. The winner was a woman's right to uh, have reasonable access to abortion, at least during uh, the early stages of pregnancy. That was the clear winner. And if the Republicans don't get that message, don't get that message, uh, it's it's going to hurt them. Uh, tremendously in, in the election. Now, you know, presidential elections are more about people. Other elections sometimes are more about issues. But the issue point was made as crystal clear as anybody could make it yesterday. And even conservative states uh, voted for candidates who support a woman's right to abortion and, and vote against almost every candidate who has a total ban on abortion, uh, especially in those areas. There are some candidates who have total ban on an abortion, even for rape and incest. And that, what, 2%, 3% of Americans support that. It's a very, very tiny percentage. The vast majority of Americans support some abortion rights and oppose other abortion rights. It's it's a matter of, of degree. Most Americans support abortion rights during the first period of abortion defined differently in different groups. And most Americans opposed abortion at the very end of pregnancy, very late term abortion, except when the life of the mother is uh, uh, severely at risk. Uh, that's the consensus. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, politicians um, on this issue tend to represent more of the extremes on both sides. And, um, and, and uh, right now, the consensus seems to be in favor, at least of 
allowing some abortions at the early end of the pregnancy and abortions in situations where the health of either the mother or um, uh, mostly the mother is endangered, uh, if the mother's health is endangered, um, or if the um, mother was raped or, or, or subject to incest or in any other way did not become pregnant um, by her free will. Um, and so this is going to become a big issue in, in the campaign. I don't think Israel is going to be a big issue in the presidential campaign. We're exactly a year away from the next uh, election. And, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the betting, see tonight what happens at the Republican debate absent Donald Trump, but the betting is very heavily right now that the election will be between two octogenarians between Donald Trump, who will be 80, uh, if and when he becomes president, and um, and Biden, who is uh, going to be well over 80 um, uh, if he serves out his full term. The vast majority of Americans don't like that choice, but um, not enough of them uh, are willing to settle on an alternative choice to pose a real electoral danger to uh, either of these two leading candidates. So nobody's running against um, uh, against Biden. There were a couple of people running. Um, Bobby Kennedy basically said, yeah, he's going to do his own thing. And Cornell West, he's going to do his own thing. Um, and the Republicans, we have six or seven uh, candidates, Nikki Haley, DeSantis being the two uh, strongest. Um, I know them both. Um, I was on the stage with Nikki Haley asking her hard questions at a charitable event uh, some time ago. And um, I had dinner with DeSantis and his wife when he was first elected governor. I also know uh, Chris Christie and um, um, and uh, I don't know very many of the others, but um, it will probably unless, you know, again, the good Lord determines who's going to run, particularly when you have people hovering around 80. Uh, because, um, uh, as I frequently check um, with the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company uh, t demographic tables, when you're 80, uh, you know, the chances of you making it through uh, a whole election uh, and a full term go down a little bit. And uh, the possibility is that um, one or both of them will not be able to run. The other thing, the point I've made before is that this election, unlike almost any other election, this election will be about who the vice president is because it's highly likely that whoever the vice president is will be the next president. Um, uh, if uh, Biden gets elected with Kamala Harris, she would be the logical choice to run to replace him in four years or see to succeed him in four years, even though she's not particularly popular on her own, probably there will be people running against her, but the vice president is generally the favorite uh, in issues uh, uh, like this. And uh, the Republicans um, as well, um, neither of them could run another term if they win. And so um, whoever is Trump's vice president will have the inside track of becoming the nominee in um, um, uh, the next time around, 2028. Um, and Nikki Haley would be the be far by and far the strongest uh, candidate uh, if there's a clash between vice presidents, and especially it would eliminate the gender issue. 
because both of them would be would be women. And so, um, you know, I'm not a political predictor. I'm not going to going to offer any uh, punditry on politics. But if I had to bet my own, you know, couple of bucks, it would be on Nikki Haley being the uh, Trump's vice president. That would be the rational choice. That would be the clearly rational choice, running with a woman, running with somebody who's considerably younger and running with somebody who hasn't really attacked you all that much. Although who knows what we'll hear on the stage uh, tonight. Maybe she will. Um, And um, the other guy who didn't do as well as people thought he would do was Yunkin, um, who I had breakfast with some weeks ago. I liked him very much. He seemed like a very strong candidate. The Republican governor of Virginia, but the Republicans didn't do very well in Virginia. And he really staked a lot on trying to get uh, both houses of the legislature to be Democratic, to be Republican, and they both ended up being Democratic. So um, his fortunes have um, suffered a bit, but he, I think he'd be a very strong candidate uh, for the presidency in uh, five years uh, or four years from now when the candidacies are established. So, all right. Um, I'm not usually ambivalent on issues. On the issue of the uh, censure of of Tlaib, on balance, um, I can't criticize members of Congress for wanting to express their strong views against what she said. On the other hand, I'm sympathetic as well to the constitutional arguments of Jamie Raskin. I don't want to establish a precedent whereby members of Congress are subject to sanctions, which mean nothing. They're not binding. They have no impact on anything. They're not punishment in any sense of the word. They're just expression of a view. But I sure don't want that to become a common tactic among uh, members of Congress when they disagree with somebody's uh, politics. You know, today it could be used uh, for somebody who was virulently anti-Israel. Tomorrow it could be used perhaps for somebody who's pro-Israel. So I don't like the precedent. Uh, On the other hand, she deserved it. And I have no sympathy for her. I hope she's beaten fair and square for office, but she won't be. So I think uh, we're going to have her for a long time and she'll be a little bit wounded, but not very much for her. It'll be a badge of courage. She'll go back to her um, uh, constituents and say, see, you need me. I'm the only one who has the courage to speak up on this. That's the way she will handle it. She has a little bit of the Donald Trump in her as well uh, in that respect, in that respect alone. Okay, let's look at some some questions. Remember my show yesterday was about Barack Obama. So a lot of letters were about that. I had high hopes for Barry uh, after, I used, he used to be Barry when I knew him as a student at, at the law school. After his first year, we all knew he was not gonna be good. He did more harm with divisions in our beautiful country than any other POTUS in my opinion. Why would anybody vote for him for a second term? Was beyond me, I did. Uh, and Joe Obama is just as bad. 81 billion votes my ass. I disagree with you. I voted enthusiastically for Biden. I will vote for him again if he's healthy and able to run. I like him. I like what he's uh, done generally. I like what he's done certainly uh, for um, for Israel and for trying to unite the country. Is he perfect? Far, far, far from it. But uh, to my mind, better than your alternative. Um, I did vote for Barack Obama for a second term. I re- regret that vote. I wish I could take it back. I think that um, uh, uh, the uh, uh, his second term was a disaster, and Mitt Romney would have been a very good president. Okay. Can you imagine if Biden at 80, yeah, this is cute. Can you imagine if Biden at 80, 80 
were as sharp as Alan Dershowitz in 85, there would be no hesitation to supporting his candidacy for re-election. Of course, even Biden at his best would have 10% of the intellect, except perhaps in influence peddling, which seems to be his primary avocation. No, I, I think I think Biden is a relatively, he has a lot of emotional intelligence. He knows how to deal with people. He's a nice guy. Um, no, uh, you know, not very many uh, presidents uh, have been um, brilliant. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, Frank, Felix Frank would have said, he had a second-rate um, intellect and, and, and a first-rate temperament. Uh, temperament may be as important as as intellect. Oh, here's a question that anticipated my show today. Uh, really appreciate your insights. Would nice to hear you think about Jamie Raskin's speech defending Congresswoman Tlaib. Seemed very compelling. But then you have to question his motives when he certainly doesn't defend any conservative. Well, you know, it's as if I read this letter before, because um, that's exactly right. I don't know whether Jamie Raskin would have made the same speech on behalf of a racist or a bigot. I don't know. I, I, I take him at his word. He said in his speech, essentially, he would. So we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see and put him and put him to the test. Uh, speaking of Obama. Wasn't he connected with the Weatherman issue? While not directly involved, wasn't his very good friend one of the leaders? Perhaps I mixed up, but I think that's been reported. You're absolutely correct. Um, he was very friendly with two of the leaders of the Weatherman and the Weather Underground, uh, neither of whom uh, were convicted or spent time in, in prison, um, as you know, several of the Weathermen did, um, uh, and served you know, 20, 25, 30 years in prison for killing uh, policemen. But um, the two in Chicago uh, that Obama was friendly with uh, didn't spend time. One of them became a teacher at uh, law school, I think. I don't remember exactly, but there's no question that uh, Obama had some pretty bad connections, the weatherman and his uh, minister. But um, I voted for him nonetheless, and uh, again, First term, I thought was okay. Uh, surely should not have won the Nobel Peace Prize after 15 minutes in office. And he was the worst foreign policy president uh, of modern times. You know, he, he complained uh, bitterly about uh, we're all to blame for the Middle East. No, we're not all to blame, but you are, uh, Obama. You didn't do anything about the Middle East. You had a chance. You were in office for eight years. You could have brought the Palestinians and the Israelis together. They trusted you, but you know, you were so antagonistic uh, toward Netanyahu and so antagonistic toward Israel that you were never regarded as an honest broker. And so you didn't do your job. Clinton tried very, very hard to do that and came very close to succeeding. If not for Yasser Arafat, he would have succeeded and there perhaps would have been peace in the Middle East. But Barack Obama didn't uh, contribute to that very much. Alan, greetings all the way from Tunisia. <laughs> and I never miss any of your videos. Keep it up. God bless you. God bless and protect Israel. Boy, I hope he's safe in Tunisia, blessing Israel. Uh, Tunisia has you know, not been uh, particularly uh, pro-Israel. Morocco has been the one country that has had pretty decent relationships uh, with Israel. Morocco has had a very strong Jewish community for many years. I visited there. Some years ago, as a guest of the of the king, and I had to be protected by four secret service king's guards when my wife and I went around uh, Morocco. But we had a great time, and the food was was unbelievable. 
I was at Harvard in the late 1960s, and remember the Black Panthers rejecting support from Caucasians, calling us honkies on the Harvard Square. After working for years to support the civil rights movement, we were thrown out. That was the beginning of identity politics, so pushed by Democrats. Now, it's even worse than that. Uh, there's a guy named Jack Greenberg. Uh, I have um, uh, a piece of art that he owned that I bought at an auction. Um, I admired him a lot, uh, Jack, and he was one of the lawyers in Brown versus Board of Education and the leading civil rights lawyer of his day, the head of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. And when he came uh, to Harvard to teach a course on civil rights, uh, black students refused to take his course, saying uh, a white man shouldn't uh, be teaching about civil rights. It's like what's going on now in a school district where um, progressive woke people don't want their students to read To Kill a Mockingbird because it tells a story of a, God forbid, white, pale, pale, white man, uh, Atticus Fitch, uh, defending a black man. Oh, what a terrible thing to do to teach students that maybe there are some white people that are prepared to defend the black defendants. Uh, but we don't want to teach our students that. We want to teach our students that only black people stand up for black people. What racist nonsense. What absurdity, identity politics. And so um, we're, we're living in a, in a terrible age when it comes to that. Last question. Israel-Palestine will eventually be a secular country that respects all religions and ethnicities. There already is a secular country that respects all ethnicities and religion. It's called Israel. Israel is the nation state of the Jewish people. It is not a religious state. It separates church, mosque, and state and, and synagogue. Um, it does have a law of return, as 40 other countries in the world have laws of return. That's an ethnic issue, not a religious issue. I wish there were even less religion. But uh, Israel is a secular democracy in which Christians and Muslims have completely equal rights. That's in the Declaration of Independence. And that is in the basic laws of Israel. And that is the way it operates in practice. If it ever became a one-state Palestinian state, it would be a Sharia state, a caliphate determined by the Sharia, and women would have no rights. Jews would be dimi, uh, either no rights or second-class citizens. And uh, Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East that gives equal rights based on religion, uh, gender, sexual preference, etc. So that country already exists. It's called Israel. See you next week. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.